The hour is late, and the moon is leering. If you feel as though you're being watched, you're right. Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria. Starring Bess Lawson as Gilly O'Hare. Megan Stressman as Rusty Rattlesnake. Philip Stressman as Florence Beauregard. And James Kettler as every other person, living or dead. We open our camera high in the sky above Landon's modest Hollywood home. Aimed down at the ground as a crowd of people funnels in through the front door. Our camera swings through the air in a perfect arc, flying through this crowd and through the front door into a party bustling with activity. Guests mill about Landon's hallway and living room as he speeds around hands full of trays of various hors d'oeuvres. Through the sea of nobodies, we see a handful of familiar faces. Blossom the secretary talking the ear off of Cliff Brockton and Inga Gelbrot about her latest movie idea. Rudolph Myers Brothers standing in the one corner of the room that has shadows, glowering sinisterly at all of the other partygoers. And our camera comes to a stop as exiting Landon's sitting room is one Florence Beauregard about to address the crowd. We see Flo now in a theatrical, flowing, sparkling black and silver caftan. She is wearing several huge, chunky necklaces with costume jewels embedded in them. And she has also even switched out her glasses for a slightly larger, flashier pair. Excuse me. Hey, everybody. Hi. Hello. Welcome. You all know me, but you have not seen me in my natural habitat. So allow me to reintroduce myself as Phantasmagoric Florence Beauregard. Spiritual medium to the stars and your conduit to the other side for this evening. Thank you. Thank you, everyone. I'm I'm afraid I'm going to be a little bit scarce between now and the seance. As you all are partying and enjoying yourselves, I will be centering myself and preparing for the tremendous amount of psychic and spiritual strain on which I will soon find myself. Uh, Until then, we've got the band, and we have plenty more drinks and hors d'oeuvres coming, so I hope everyone came thirsty and hungry. Flo finishes with a significant look at Cliff and Inga. Cliff cocks an eyebrow at you. Anyway, that's all for now. Uh, Enjoy yourselves, as I said, and I will see you all very soon. (laughs) 
Our camera cuts to the same exterior shot of Landon's house, but this time, there's no crowd of people funneling to get in. We're now a few hours earlier on a beautiful golden afternoon in Hollywood, California. Our camera starts in the bright blue sky, fluffy white clouds drifting through, birds chirping and flying. You can practically see the smiley face on the sun beaming down at everybody in Hollywood. As our camera lowers to center on a bright red door with an ornate golden handle, about to be grasped by the hand of one Florence Beauregard. Okay, I'm just going to grab this uh, handle, this door handle, and I'm going to turn it until the internal mechanisms uh, click into place, allowing the door to swing open. Landon, we're here! And as you swing open the front door to the home of Landon Forsyth, you are greeted by the cheery sounds of music playing throughout the house. Ooh, this music sounds cheery. And you hear a voice from a distant room say, Hello? Back here! Uh, Mary Beth, I guess, uh, go find the coat room or something. I'm gonna go check in with our host. Yeah, all right. Uh, is it over here? And you see Mary Beth just disappear behind a doorway, and then you hear furniture crashing. I'm all right. Okay, remember what I said about, uh, watching your feet while you walk? In case your shoes got tied together. <laughs> well, that's what I was doing, but then I didn't notice the, the lamp hanging down, and I bonked my head on it and fell. Uh, yeah, Flo's gonna go find Landon. Our camera follows behind Florence as she trails the sound of Landon's voice through his house. As we end up in his kitchen, where we find Landon standing there in his usual attire, his white button-down shirt, his red ascot, his big poofy hip pants. But on top of that, he's also wearing a bright pink frilly apron and bright pink floral oven mitts, holding a tray of croissants fresh out of the oven. What, you, you're doing this yourself? You didn't hire a catering company or something? What? No, what do you think, I'm made of money? You're a big shot Hollywood director. A big, beautiful house. You can't, like, call on over to, like, Ruthie's uh, catering and tire repair and, like, have her bring a spread over? I probably could have, but I like to host. What can I say? Okie dokie. I got the crumpets here. I got some cocktail shrimp. I got, a. Uh... Those look like croissants. Well, yeah, what did I say? <laughs> you said croissant. <laughs> you and said then you changed it. <laughs> Crumpet croissant, what am I, European? Yeah, fair enough. It's a bread treat. It's a you, hot that bread you, treat. That you yeah. spread butter on. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That's fair. <laughs> I got some cocktail shrimp, and now I'm going to stop working on the deviled eggs. Okay, great. Well, uh, I'm going to go set up my stuff. Yeah, yeah. Ooh, let me show you. And he slides off his floral oven mitts and leads Florence through the doors of the kitchen back into the hallway. And he opens up a set of double doors, revealing a grand sitting room with a beautiful mahogany coffee table in the center of it, adorned by several lacy, frilly ottomans and a beautiful crystal chandelier hanging from the ceiling. And Landon says... Is this all right? Uh, yeah, this'll do in a pinch. Sure, this is fine. <laughs> well, small, but you know, I can. <laughs> I've done less with more. Great. 
So, uh, yeah, I'm gonna keep working on the snacks. You get set up in here with whatever you need. I and, know. Uh, oh, all right. I'm sorry. I'm just trying to be hospitable. Sorry. I just you you came into my life as an authority figure, so that little that prickliness is probably never gonna go away. I uh, uh, even though right. our uh, statuses have wildly shifted places in the last few days. Yeah, I'm very afraid. <laughs> <laughs> I fear for my life. So I'm gonna go distract myself by making more hors d'oeuvres. Uh, hey, listen, uh, can you do me a favor? Yeah. Can you just put Mary Beth like to work helping you out? Just keep out of my freaking hair for a while. Uh. Sure, Miss Summers! And you hear uh, the sound of more furniture crashing, and then you see Mary Beth literally like stumble into the doorframe and catch it to not fall to the ground. Ah! Well, yeah, hi, hello, what's up? Flo leans to land in a little bit closer real quick. They're both looking at Mary Beth, and mm -hmm. she does that thing where she leans over and puts her hand in front of her mouth and puts it to his ear. Mm -hmm. And she says, uh, yeah, so uh, between you and me, she's got a uh, kind of some kind of cursed gremlin following her around, uh, making her life miserable. So I would keep her away from like open flames and anything like family china that you want to keep intact. Uh -huh, but, you, but you're giving it to me to put to work in the kitchen. Hi, Mary Beth. You're going to help Landon get ready for everything, okay? Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I, I like, I'd love to make myself useful. Landon just like <laughs> stares at you, Flo, but says this to Mary Beth. Sure. Sounds good. Follow me into the kitchen. Flo gives Landon two big thumbs up with a shit-eating grin on her face. <laughs> All right, just head on in here. So I'm working on making these deviled eggs. If you just want to stand there and not touch... No, don't do that! <sighs> it's fine. I'll get another two dozen eggs. Flo, can you get that? I'm cleaning up egg. <sighs> I guess. <laughs> Flo uh, goes and opens the front door. And shittily. You... <laughs> with a shitty attitude. And we see... As the front door cracks open, a face familiar to both Flo and the audience of one Wallace Patter Goodwin, arms full of glass bottles filled with liquids of recognizable and not so recognizable colors. Wally! Hello! I'm so glad you came. Absolutely. I brought liquor. Oh, you did. A did lot you, of liquor. Did you bring the other stuff we talked about? The more occult stuff? Oh, yes, 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 yes. I have a couple of my pocket spell books in my pockets. Wonderful. But I needed my arms free to carry all this booze. And Wally uh, breezes past Flo and enters the mansion. Where can I put these? I'd I like to know. start cracking them open and drinking them. Just put them where, uh, go find the guy in the balloon pants. He'll tell you what to do. Oh, all right. And Wally wanders off towards the back of the mansion. Just, hey, Wally, Wally. Yes? Don't get too drunk too early. Once... Once Gilly and Rusty get here, we got to, uh, you know, get down to brass tacks. Sure, sure. I may need a cup of coffee then. Okay, you started already. Yeah, yes, 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 yes. Day never ends for me, Florence. Yeah, that's fair. It is Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> As Wally breezes into the mansion and heads back towards the kitchen to meet up with his host and the woman he inadvertently helped curse. 
our camera backs out through the open front door and then flies way, 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 way up back into that beautiful blue sky and all the way across Hollywood before descending on a car driving down a road containing two passengers, Rusty Rattlesnake and Gilly O'Hare, who have hastily changed out of their frickin' plumber's costumes and into something more suitable for a Hollywood social occasion. So Rusty's wearing something similar to the night that they went to the graveyard. So like black jeans, black cowboy boots with like red stitching in it, red roses stitched in there, and then um, wearing a black cowboy hat again with like stitched red roses in it, and black long sleeve fringe shirt, uh, the French is on the arms, and then unbuttoned like halfway down, and then a black bandana tied around his neck. His blonde mustache is waxed to perfection and curled, and a cigarette is hanging out of his mouth as he's driving in the car. I would like to say that Gilly did um, her skincare routine on Rusty, so you got a full, like, ice bath for your face. He's got a glow. Perfectly yeah. moisturized, and I pinched those little cheeks to give him some color. Mm-hmm. Looking good for my date. Looking as alive as I could make you look for my own sake. Yeah. <laughs> not turning into a vampire. Nope. Not even a little. Um, and Gilly is wearing like a draped, like long pink velvet gown, um, like long sleeves. And like the bottom of the sleeves are fitted, but the top are kind of balloony, kind of like, you know, what I'm talking about like old Hollywood dresses, like a little bit cinched at the waist, but then kind of flowy at the bottom. She's got like a matching like pink cap on and like some layered pearls on her neck um, with like bright red lipstick and she has all of her things packed for whatever necessary so like even though we're not here to hunt vampires necessarily she always has those tools on her she's got her gun breast knuckles all the other weapons that she typically carries that's why you're wearing such a flowy dress Mm -hmm. is to hide the silhouette of like stakes strapped to your thigh and stuff (laughs) exactly (laughs) and she's pissed that she has to go pick up this person she doesn't know Listen, Gilly, I'm sorry we gotta go pick up Blossom, but, like, what was I supposed to do? I couldn't just leave her there on the curb. Yes, you could have. If Um, anything, you're putting her life in danger. Not that I care even a little bit, but I don't understand why we're picking this person up. She's just gonna get in the way. I know, but my heart would have been broken just thinking of her (laughs) on the sidewalk. Just because you think every person you meet is beautiful does not mean you have to carry them around with you. Rusty kind of like looks down for a second as he's driving and then quickly looks up again because he realizes he is driving and is like, I mean, I guess you're right, but I don't know. I'm a softie sometimes and, you know, yeah, we might be in danger in her life, but maybe she'll get a job out of it. Maybe she'll get a promotion, you know? Yeah, and if she gets maimed and starts bleeding all over the place, I'm sure you won't try to eat her. Nope. And Rusty, like, (laughs) is just in his mind imagining licking her blood up off the floor. Gilly snaps in Rusty's face. (laughs) See? (sighs) We cut back to the present moment, to the house full of people, Flo just having finished her rousing speech. Our camera once again scans through the crowd before settling behind a certain greased head of hair, following this figure as he approaches Rusty Rattlesnake. And then it swings around to reveal the face of Cliff Brockton, holding a cocktail in one hand 
and a spinach puff in the other. So what about you, Rusty? Feeling hungry at all? Or maybe thirsty? Yeah, I mean, I'm an alcoholic. I'm always <laughs> thirsty. So, yeah. <laughs> Rusty just starts staring him down. <laughs> Cliff uh, smirks and gives you the facial expression equivalent of a knowing wink. Like, he all but winks at you, you know what I mean, with his eyes. And he says, uh, Oh, sure, sure, sure. Not hungry or thirsty for anything else. Now, uh, what's up with your makeup? (laughs) (laughs) What's wrong with my makeup? And he just starts, like, touching his face. You are sweating a little bit, and, uh... Oh, I'm pretty sure I'm not sweating. Ghouls don't sweat? What? I mean, uh... Superstars don't sweat? Oh, it's just a little chilly in here, is all. I'm feeling quite drafty, but is my is is my makeup askew? Uh yeah, here let me let me lift it, fix it real quick. And okay. Rusty's gonna get close and he's gonna be like, oh oops, and just like try to like take off a chunk, like a swipe of his makeup. Yeah, I think you just get like a smear across his forehead with your thumb, and you see where your thumb wiped off just a just a pallid gray streak on his forehead like a little zebra stripe. Yay! What? Uh and Cliff says, uh Oh <laughs> little overcorrection, huh, Rusty? Yeah. Why is your skin gray? Are you sick, Cliff? Russell, please. I think we can be honest with each other. I think you know why my skin is gray, and I think I know that you're thirsty for a little something other than whiskey. What does Mr. Myers Brothers have on you? Why is he making you be a living superstar ghoul? Oh, Rusty. You're so quaint. Keep me updated on how that uh, hunger or thirst or whatever's going on with you treats you. I'd be very curious to see how it affects you, to see how you feel as the day progresses. In the meantime, though, if you'll excuse me, I need to go to the washroom and fix up this little mistake right here. No, I'm supposed to have the last word. And Rusty, like, steps in front of him and gets really close to his face, like almost their lips are touching. Cute. And he says, this ends tonight, Clifton. And then he turns and walks away. Oh, I agree, Russell. No, I had the last word. I said <laughs> it was me. Okay. Stop talking to me. God All damn it. All right, Rusty, you Stop can me. have the last word. We see Rusty just <laughs> a hand shoot into frame from uh, out of a doorway and grab Rusty by the back of his collar and pull him into the sitting room. And Flo says, what the f- what the fuck are you doing? He's threatening me. He knows I'm a. He knows that I could potentially turn into a vampire. Do you remember the whole plan that we like just came up with that has to, involves their willing participation in this? Well, okay. I'll stare at him from across the room, but I'll leave him alone. Okay. All right. Put your fucking game face on, cowboy. We cut back once again to the depopulated home of Landon Forsyth, to an intimate gathering in Landon's sitting room of the key players in this scheme, Flo, Gilly, and Rusty, joined by their compatriots, Zepp and Ethan, there to record and document, and Wallace Patter Goodwin, there to advise and drink absinthe. 
Flo takes a look around the room and she says, um, listen, first off, out of the gate, I just want to say thank you all for being here and being a part of this. I know that I sprung the seance thing on you a little bit as a screaming ghost, uh, but I think that this is the way to do this that plays to all of our strengths the best. So, broad strokes, what do we want? We want to expose Maya's brothers, Cliff and Inga as ghouls and ghoul-adjacent people. And so that Maya's brothers, once presented with our irrefutable proof of his evil deeds, etc., uh, has to, you know, give us lots of money. And then you two, and Flo gestures to uh, Ethan and Zepp, and then you two get to take the pictures and recordings and go public with it anyway uh, once we get paid, you know? Yeah, yeah, definitely, definitely. Ooh, devious. That's me. I'm a devious <laughs> little turnip. Rusty shoots his hand up in the air and waves it around. Uh, Yeah, Rusty. We should rob Landon because it would be really fucking funny. So mm, during cocktail hour, I'm just going to sneak upstairs and quietly just rob his jewelry box. Okay, but just make sure like the rest of the important part of the plan you're here for. Of course. I'm just trying to get us a little extra income. And if you turn into a vampire on your journey up and then back down, just stay up. I can't deal with both things today. Oh, yeah. yeah. I guess maybe we should plan for that aspect also. Oh, yeah. Uh, everyone here, I may or may not turn into a vampire today. So uh, <laughs> just don't bleed around me or get close enough for me to hear your heartbeat. Sorry, I know we're going to be in a circle for a bit. So uh, if you see me salivating a little bit, just um, snap in my face or something or slap me, you know. Gotcha. Yep. Flo makes eye contact with Gilly and says, uh, what if... Someone does bleed, though. Well, Rusty, don't take offense to this. And Gilly's going to reach into her bag and pull out a steak and hand one to everybody in the room. Okie dokie. I am hurt by this, but I know it's necessary. (laughs) (laughs) So if Rusty, if anyone bleeds at all tonight, we will all encircle Rusty and stab him together like the Roman Senate Killing Julius Caesar. Well, only if he drinks the blood, right? Yeah, I guess well, we can wait for you to drink it. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. drinking the blood is what? Well, like, blood being around isn't going to turn him into a vampire. It's just if I get on the floor and like lick it up. Or yes, lick if it, he indulges yeah. in his primal thirst. We cut back again to the present on Rusty Rattlesnake in the crowd of partygoers. We see Rusty leave the sitting room, uh, go into the party room, go across the room, grab a glass of champagne, and head upstairs to Rob Landon. <laughs> Yeah, as you make your way into the hallway to make your way upstairs, you immediately get a sense of, like, tunnel vision because of the mass of people that is in this house and that are crowded into this hallway in between you and the staircase. And you can't help but notice that the music of the jazz band is quieting down in your head and being replaced by the cacophonous thumping 
of a couple dozen different heartbeats all pounding close together in this hallway. Rusty's gonna put his fingers to his temple and like massage them and close his eyes and just be like, get with it, Rusty, get with it. So um, Gilly's been making her laps, getting compliments from everyone she can get them from, um, and notices that Rusty is not there anymore, and she is very concerned about Rusty tonight. Um, so she's like, check the bathrooms, check the kitchen, even checked outside for a second. Um, so she's kind of like just dodging, pushing everybody out the way, trying to find Rusty. Yeah, you find Rusty just outside the door of the sitting room, standing in the hallway with like a thousand yard stare on his face. And you notice, like, as people uh, in this crowd kind of brush past him, you watch his gaze, like, constantly just kind of, like, following their neckline as they go by and then kind of just turning back to the crowd and then, like, looking at somebody else's neck as they go by and turning back into the crowd. Gilly goes and puts a hand on each side of Rusty's shoulders and just shakes him as hard as she possibly can. (laughs) Gilly, you grab Rusty by the shoulders. You give him a good shake to snap him out of whatever weird meditative potential vampire trance he's in. Rusty, you snap out of it. The cacophony of heartbeats subsides about 95%. It's still there, but uh, the room noise and the sound of the band comes back into your head as as, uh, Gilly shakes and you lock eyes with her. Oh my God, thank you. I was just zoned out. Yeah, you were. What were you thinking about? I don't want to tell you. You've already told me just by saying that, Rusty. you got to be honest with people when you want to eat them. <laughs> I just, I don't know what's happening to me. I mean, I do, but it's it's complicated. Um, I wasn't intentionally thinking about it. It just happened, but... Uh, can you, like, lead me through this crowd? I need to get upstairs to Landon's room. For what? I told you I'm going to steal his jewelry. I'm trying to milk out any type of money we can get from this. I'm rubbing off on you, Rusty. Let's go. Rusty, with Gilly there as almost like an anchor for you, you're able to um, keep your focus on her and drown out the both the sound of the crowd's heartbeats and that itch you feel, that primal urge you feel to feed subsides to somewhere in the recesses of your mind rather than at the forefront of it as you take Gilly's hand and she pushes through the crowd for you. And the two of you make your way upstairs. The upstairs of Landon's house is relatively small compared to the downstairs. There are three doors, one of which hangs open and you can see is a second bathroom on the second floor. 
uh, one of which to your immediate right, and one uh, at the very end of the hall, straight in front of you. Rusty's going to turn to Gilly and say, I think that might be Landon's room. Let's go sneak in for a second. Okay, we gotta be quick. I gotta lock everybody inside before anything gets too crazy. Okay. Uh, Rusty takes the lead and walks over to the door and slowly opens it. You open the door to find a bedroom, which obviously doing the math, Landon lives here alone. It's probably his bedroom. Uh, you walk in to find a very plain looking bedroom, uh, bed with just a blank square wooden headboard, plain white sheets, white pillowcases, white down comforter. There is a brown dresser with a mirror above it, atop which sits a framed photo of Landon and his mother. Rusty wants to rummage through Landon's stuff, so he is looking for cufflinks, watches, jewelry, just anything that could be valuable. Rusty, you scan this under-decorated bachelor pad bedroom for anything of value, anything that you can take from this doofus to rip him off a little further in spite of all the help he's given you so far. Don't be salty about it. Um, <laughs> and, uh, like I said, this place ain't, this room ain't much to look at, you know? He's, uh, uh, for a big fancy Hollywood director, he seems to live fairly humbly and unextravagantly. But you do notice above his window a shelf with several shiny-looking objects glinting in the light. And as you take a couple steps closer, you find that these are all pieces of memorabilia that he has from various movies that he made. They are uh, objects of high sentimental value to him. There's a, a, a framed photo of some silent film star you're not familiar with with like a personalized message to Landon. There's a couple well-read, well-worn, leather-bound screenplay copies that were presumably his personal copies on the shoot. And in a little wood and glass shadow box on the end, there are three shiny silver objects. And as you take the box down from the shelf to get a closer look, you see that they are three silver spider brooches, each with two rubies in the rough shape of an hourglass on their backs. And inside the shadow box with them is a miniaturized version of the movie poster for the tangled web we weave, parentheses, when we have marital affairs, parentheses, directed by Landon Forsyth. You would think a man that wore balloon pants every day would have more fancy stuff. <laughs> but uh, these will do. You turn, you say that, and you turn and look in his closet, and it's just row after row of the exact same outfit. <laughs> <laughs> balloon pants, balloon pants, balloon pants. White shirt, white shirt, white shirt. Red ascot, red ascot, red ascot. Berets. Wow. Uh, Rusty uh, grabs the little shadow box, opens it up, and takes out the brooches. Um, he puts two in his pocket, and he turns to Gilly and says, "I want you to have this. Uh, hand me your hand." Okay. And then Rusty is going to, um, inside the sleeve of her dress, is going to put the spider brooch on and just say, for good luck, you and me and Flo will have these. It's like best friend necklaces, but with spider brooches. Thanks, Rusty. I don't think you've ever given me anything before. Nah, 
But this special heist deserves some special memories attached to it. You know, I don't hand out thank yous, but thank you. Thank you. Now you super can't eat me because you're my best friend. I promise I won't. Just keep an eye on me and make sure I don't eat anybody. I'll stab tonight. you with this pen if I see you staring at a wall again. <laughs> <laughs> okay, deal. And then Rusty uh, puts his brooch on the inside of his um, button-down shirt because he just doesn't want Landon to see that he, he jacked <laughs> them. But All right, well, I guess we should head down. You got some stuff to do? Hell yeah. All right, let's go. Yee. Yee. On three. One, two, three. Yee. Yee. <laughs> yeah, the two of you exit Landon's bedroom and head back downstairs towards the party. As you approach, once again, that sea of people, Rusty, I think you kind of, uh, you know, prep yourself to concentrate and go back in. And as the two of you reach the bottom of the stairs and begin moving through the crowd, Rusty, you feel that sense of tunnel vision coming on again. The, the music and the crowd noise in the room dulls to a low rumble. The sides of your vision blur. But unlike last time, you don't hear that cacophonous drumbeat of four dozen hearts all going at once. In fact, the crowd in general blurs out of your vision as well. And your vision sharpens on one thing and one thing only. The neck of Gilly O'Hare. The urge is not overwhelming at this moment, but the steady beat of Gilly's heart thumps in the back of your head. Like, like wah, 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 yeah. wah, Like when you're too high. Okay. Yeah, exactly. So, <laughs> yes, precisely. Yeah, so Rusty is going to uh, start fidgeting with the spider brooch on the inside of his wrist. And he's trying to concentrate really hard just, like, on something tangible to kind of, like, bring himself back down. Um, but he probably looks really weird from an outside perspective because he's closing his eyes. He's standing in the middle of a room. And he's just, like, touching the inside of his wrist. Um, I think that he's going to head to the sitting room to try to just, like, get out of the sea of people. We cut to the sitting room where Rusty closes the door behind him, trying to drown out the intrusive sounds and thoughts racing through his head, and opens his eyes to see that the sitting room is already occupied by Flo and Cheryl. Uh, Rusty's not gonna bring up his tunnel vision stuff to Flo because he doesn't want any kind of distractions for Flo whatsoever, and Gilly already has an eye on him, so he feels, he feels like he's taken care of. Um, but he is gonna walk over to Flo and just check in and say, so you nervous? Are you, are you ready for tonight? What is the matter with you? What, your eyes are all wonky. What's I, going on? I, I mean, <laughs> I don't know, maybe I'm just like excited, you know, my eyes get like this sometimes when I'm excited. No, you don't look excited. Yeah, no, I know the excited look in your eye, and that ain't it. Right? Like, when he's excited, excited, it's like a sparkle. It's like a okay, boyish, you know like, like brightness. Right I, now, they look blurry. I don't need the both of you banging uh, out bloodshot, on me. Right? Yeah, like, you have, like you're having trouble focusing on stuff. Okay, well, maybe I want to eat everybody that I see in this room right now. Whoa. Yeah, that's what I thought. I know. That's what I thought. You're not Whoa. containing your vampiric urges. I'm trying. I separated myself from the people. Cheryl, I love you, but can I have a moment with by myself. Oh, 
Oh, no, ex- Cheryl, stay here. I, mean, I don't want him to eat no, me. No, you can stay in the room, but can you just take a couple steps back? What? Okay. I just right. want a private moment with Cheryl Flo. just, like, turns around and faces a wall. <laughs> Flo rolls up her sleeves and starts rubbing her hands together, and she says, uh, all right, Rusty, listen, I, I thought maybe if you turned into a vampire, it would be cool, and you'd be, like, a super powerful friend who could fly me around at night and stuff, but what? this is getting really annoying, and I think you're just going to fuck up the plan. What? So we got to nip this shit in the bud. What are you talking about? And Flo's going to smack Rusty in the forehead. With the palm of her hand. Uh, (laughs) My cowboy hat just flies off my head (laughs) onto Cheryl's top of her head. (laughs) And we see Flo uh, close her eyes somberly, and uh, we hear her mutter some words in an ancient and unknown language. And we see a, a charge of crackling magical energy leak out of the sides of her palms as it as it channels from her hand into Rusty's forehead. And from the back of her hand, we see in that same kind of magical energy, like uh, a, a pentagram surrounded by runes appear in the back of her uh, hand and then dissipate. And Flo removes her hand from Rusty's head and she says, uh, okay, uh, I'm not super sure uh, about that spell. It was sort of a... Uh, what did you do to me? I, it's it's a cursed dampener. Um, so I don't think you're permanently fixed, but you should be, at least be able to get through tonight without ripping off my head and drinking the blood out of my neck like a go-get. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> All right, well, thank you, but um, I came over here not to, like, freak you out and to make you look at my bloodshot eyes, uh, but... Wait, uh, does Rusty feel any different? Yeah, oh, Rusty, yeah. immediately so, your uh, your mental state is clearer. That, like, blurriness around the edges of your vision dissipates. You feel like a uh, frickin' Uma Thurman in Pulp Fiction. You just got an adrenaline needle to the heart. Like, you're just like, woo, woo, yeet. I'm back, baby. Yeet. Yeah, I, I'm <laughs> feeling good. I'm seeing clear. I don't think I want to eat anybody in this room right now, so... That's good. good. Okay, good. progress. Yeah, yeah I'm Cheryl! still here. I still heard. You just asked me to turn around. I turn still heard around. everything. <laughs> I am still turned around. I can just hear everything that's happening. Let me have a moment. Jesus. <laughs> so Rusty tr- like grabs his hat off of Cheryl's head, puts it back on his, turns over to Flo and says, well, I had this whole speech prepared if like shit went crazy tonight and I turned into a vampire and y'all had to kill me. That uh, I wanted to tell you that you're the most fascinating woman I've ever met. Oh my gosh. But I'll still tell wow. you. You could still. Cheryl. Listen, I'm new at magic. I don't know how long the curse dampen will last, so that could still happen. So yeah, tell me all the great things about me. All right. Well, I wanted to give you this. I gave one to Gilly too, and I have one as well. But Oh, wow. Thanks for uh, getting to me eventually. But it's to remember this heist. Um, give me your sleeve. And Doki? Uh, Rusty grabs uh, the sleeve of Flo's uh, medium robe and takes out the spider brooch and says, I stole this from Landon. <laughs> and uh, I want you to have it. And then he pins it to the inside of her sleeve and says, look, I got one too. And Gilly has one. Ooh, stolen goods. My favorite kind of gift. I thought you'd like it. but. <laughs> and I, I love spiders. I just want you to know that I have the hots for you and I like you but it's okay if you don't like me back but I just wanted to tell you in case I die tonight that is all uh Flo 
continues to look at her brooch for a few moments. We uh, sort of see like little light glinting in the dual uh, red gems, uh, maybe rubies, on this spider brooch. And she says, uh, almost to herself, she says, um, Black Widow. That's what they used to call Mama. Thanks, Rusty. <laughs> <laughs> and Flo, uh, Flo leans in and gives him a kiss on the cheek. Oh my God, Rusty just his bright red cheeks, like looks like a little tomato, like. And then he's like, "Oh, thank you, Flo." And he steps back a little bit and kind of looks on the floor and fidgets with his fingers because he doesn't know what to do. She says, uh, "Rusty." Yeah. I like you too. What? <laughs> yeah, I mean, you're you're. You're a cool, tough, silent, uh, dark and mysterious cowboy type, you know? Like, who wouldn't like such a guy? Exactly. I'm an Ash Cheryl over here. <laughs> uh, and Flo says, uh, listen, uh, let's get through tonight without eating or being eaten by anyone or monsters or anything. Uh, and then we'll be rich and uh, maybe you and I can go and have a little fun together. Really? Absolutely. Oh my God. All right. That went a lot better than I thought it was going to go. Um, all right. Yeah. Okay. Well, um, I'm going to open the doors and uh, are we ready for the seance to get started? Yeah. Fuck it. <sighs> if not now, when? Uh, Rusty's going to grab Flo's hand, not in like a romantic way, but like in a friendship way, uh-huh. and put his hand on top of, like to enclose her hand and say, let's fucking do this. All right. Uh, Rusty goes over, kicks open the doors. He's feeling good because he can uh, see better now and says, y'all ready for a seance? And the crowd erupts into a cheer as they all raise their glasses into the air. (laughs) Yeah, let's see some ghosts. (laughs) I've never been to a seance before. Oh my God, I see dead people. Or I will anyway. I'm going I'm I'm to see them in the near future. We cut back in time once again to that intimate meeting of the key players in Landon's sitting room, where the group has just put the finishing touches on their plan for the party. Well, good luck, everyone. Yeah, I feel pretty good about this. What could go wrong? I feel like we've planned for every possible outcome. Mm Mm-hmm. And if anything goes wrong, I got a horse out front. And I got a stutz. And a gun. And a lasso. And a knife. And I yeah, could turn into a vampire. Yeah, we all showed each other our weapons. Yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I got a shovel. <laughs> Rusty just like pushes Zep back into the curtains.
Dangerous Times Radio Hour presents Phantasmagoria was edited by James Kettler and produced by Philip Stressman with additional sounds provided by Zapsplat.com Monster of the Week Tabletop RPG was written and created by Michael Sands Join us again next week for more Phantasmagoria and until then Be chill and stay dangerous.